He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you have a short-term rental, that you're able to reach out to the people that live locally in your area and say, hey guys, we're doing a staycation special. If you book it out this weekend, you'll get this rate and this perk, right? And, and you're able to turn, what was it, an empty weekend and into profitability. It, it's building that relationship so that you can adjust their behavior. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. What's up, all my Slick Talkers? This episode is brought to you by my friends at Hostfully. Now, these are the days where enough is enough with managing multiple calendars for your properties in order just to make sure you don't get double booked. And not having a website for your guests to get to know your story and book direct? You can stop stressing, at least a little bit, and check out my friends at Hostfully. Hostfully was created by hosts for hosts, and they understand the importance of centralizing operations, inboxes, calendars, and of course, keeping up with the times and the industry data. You can go to hostfully.com, use my code SLICKTALK20 to get access to their digital guidebooks and their property management software. I use them as well, and I love the simplicity of their product. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now sit back and enjoy. Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. It has been such a wild ride with this guest because not only has Josh Copel been one of my first, I would call, platinum guests, uh, I'm going to coin that term right now, but uh, Josh was a guest on Slick Talk early, early beginnings of the show, probably almost three years ago, and... I just remember being super fascinated by our first conversation and then to watch Josh's journey go from creating a tech company to then starting his own like huge media conglomerate of podcasts and getting totally recognized as the most influential restaurateur or person in the restaurant hospitality space as I see it. Uh, so Josh Copel, my friend, welcome back to the show. It's such a pleasure to have you. Holy shit, Will. I'm going to bring you with me everywhere I go. That was a phenomenal intro, and it feels so good to be a platinum guest. Platinum guests deserve the best title, and I, I feel it's just it's just crazy <laughs> to see you know how we started uh, as friends, um, not even just friends, but as a, a podcast you know guest and podcaster, and then having on the show, and just getting to stay connected. It was one of those genuine connections I feel like we've had um, since the beginning, and then, of course, COVID and all this wild stuff has happened this last year, but just like to stay connected with you throughout your journey has been nuts. And so, um, I really want to give like a high level view for all the listeners that maybe didn't hear your first episode. And if they haven't, 
is going to be tagged in the show notes. So obviously they need to go back um, for a lot of good reasons, but give us a high level view. Who's Josh Copel and why are you such a platinum guest? Oh my God. I can't answer the second question, but I'll try for the first. (laughs) Um, I'm a guy that tries really hard and I try a lot and I, I fail a lot, but I succeed a lot. And you know, my, my entire career has been focused around the hospitality industry. I, uh, I, I, I came up through small bars and, and restaurants in Louisiana. That eventually led me to running nightclubs in Hollywood in the early 2000s. I opened my first bar that I owned and operated in Hollywood back in 2010. Uh, that bar was incredibly successful. I rolled that into a Michelin-rated fine dining concept and then rolled that into a, a really successful fast casual concept that was rated the best fried chicken in Los Angeles by LA Weekly. So I, I, I've seen a lot of success over my career, um, and, and I've spent as much time working towards that success as I have trying to, to do a post-mortem and, and analyze that success. And what did I do that was right? What was a waste of my time? Really working to figure out what those levers are that moved my career and my businesses in the right direction. Well, not only that, but it just seems like the... Because I love that you talked about your failures because like you have a lot of good success on your belt, but there's been times where you and I have talked and you have mentioned like where you have struggled as a restaurateur. Uh, you're talking about, you know, one day you're talking to your neighbor next door and asking them how they're doing and they're saying, oh, we've had the best revenue months ever. And you're like, what the heck? I've had shit. Like this has been the worst. Why, why are you doing so good? And I'm not. Um, you know, profitability in the restaurant space is not um, – something that I, I think you and I can both say very high um, in a lot of cases pre-COVID and now even worse with COVID uh, for some destinations and markets. But um, you've really deeply analyzed this, you know, inner working that goes on behind the scenes, um, which ended up creating and becoming like the birth child of what you created with Full Compt. Um, and of course, you have the restaurant marketing school now. So kind of walk us through that journey. What you, what were like the big points that you're like, I have to do something about it other than be an operator. I need to go out to the masses, create this media, this content for others that have been in my position. Well, well, I think it all starts with, with that foundational decision that I made to become a, a student of the game and, and, and to, to level up by looking at what other people were doing right, looking at the other the mistakes that other people were making in my industry and doing my best to learn from not only my own experiences, but theirs as well. When the pandemic hit and we were all forced to not work for quite a while, I saw it as an opportunity to have a conversation. And, and the conversation that I wanted to have was around, you know, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? What does tomorrow look like? And, and Full Comp was created out of that. Full Comp is a uh, twice-weekly podcast that is entirely a selfish endeavor. Uh, I have the people on the show that I look up to, that I've idolized for my entire career, and I ask them the questions that I want because I'm trying to look at my entire life and my entire career through a singular lens, and that lens is, is there a recipe for repeatable success in the restaurant industry? And so every question that I ask, gets to the heart of that question. And we've interviewed massive people from Seth Godin, Grant Cardone, and Robert Greene, uh, who exist outside of the industry, but have seen, achieved massive success, 
to, you know, celebrity chefs and, and famous operators within the industry, Will Gadara and John Taffer and uh, Martha Hoover, Brooke Williamson, Naisha Arrington, Rick Bayless. Um, and, and we've had amazing conversations where through, I think, my vulnerability, they felt empowered to be vulnerable as well. Really opening the kimono and, and sharing, you know, what, what it means to be successful and what it took to get there. The goal of every episode is the same. And the same is true with Restaurant Marketing School is that if you listen to an episode, you get one to three actionable things that you can use in your business today to make your life and your profession better. So what's the the ripple effect been with you being vulnerable like that with these type of, I'll call them celebrities or star uh, guests, but what's the ripple effect been like with your audience? Because I know you and I both understand the impact that podcasting has had in our lives. Um, but I'm just kind of curious from your perspective behind the scenes uh, after the recording button has been pressed and ended. Um, what does that ripple effect look like? We've worked to build community and it's, it's been amazing to see how one person's vulnerability can create that ripple effect through and people reach out and they say, Hey, I listened to this episode and you know, it, it really resonated with me. So I did this, this, and this, and it revolutionized my business. And, and, and it's been so inspiring to see that as it turns out, Will, even though I am a platinum guest, um, my thesis has been proven true time and time again, which is that I am exceptionally ordinary. The things that I like, the things that I'm interested in, the things that I'm curious about are the things that everybody's interested in, that everybody likes, that everybody's curious about. In being incredibly ordinary, I'm able to serve my needs and the needs of a massive audience um, because we're all interested in the same shit. I love that. I love that. Well, um, man, so I guess why my, my question immediately comes up to, to, to you for this is why are more people not doing this? Like why, are, why isn't there more people putting out the content? Why aren't more people being more intentional with the conversation Specifically in the restaurant industry, I think we can go, you and I can always dive into the deep hospitality hole as, you know, hotels, vacation rentals, restaurants, cafes, bars, all this other stuff. But why why do you think more people aren't going down this route to really solve an industry problem rather than just their own problems on a day to day? You know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with fear. And, and you know, when, when I started Full Comp, I, I had started it by saying, you know, there's a problem in our industry and nobody gave a shit. And then I was like, oh, you know, there's a problem with your business. And there was no resonance. There wasn't resonance. Until I, I made it like super personal and was like, hey, there's a problem with me and my life and my career and my business. This is what I'm struggling with, and this is how I'm trying to get through it. Um, in, in order to create the kind of media that resonates, it requires vulnerability. And like, who in their right mind wants to go out there and put that out there for the masses? I would also argue that uh, across the hospitality industry, marketing and content creation is seen as optional, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I, I know a lot of hotels specifically, um, you know, that look at Facebook or Instagram or any other type of media outlet um, as a, eh, don't need it. There's no, there's no reason. Why would, why would we want to put the extra time? 
When, when the restaurant, when, when the forced uh, mandate in Los Angeles went down and we were forced to close, you know, I looked in the mirror and I asked myself, what could I invest my time and my money into that, that is guaranteed to reap benefits, that I, I am guaranteed to not regret this decision six days, six weeks, six months, six years from now? And the answer was build audience. And, and if everyone listening to the show dedicated more time to working to build audience, to create awareness, uh, it would be an absolute game changer. Because once once you've sold someone on who you are as a person and what you believe, they'll buy whatever you put in front of them. Dang, that's a really good point. Um, with audience, I guess what, not, not even with audience, what has been the biggest, because you and I have talked behind the scenes a lot, and... From from what you've built, which I'm going to give you a big kudos, round of applause for building it so quick and such like incredible volumes. But um, with that, what have been the key takeaways? Like, have you been able to really understand not just the content that you're putting out is resonating with your audience, but is there anything that really is industry implement? Like, you can implement it in any business, and as long as they stick to this formula that's where they're going to see the most growth and success and sustainability. Yeah, absolutely. It's so again, if we were to get back to, you know, the, the essential question that I've been asking for almost two years now is, you know, what, it, what is that recipe for repeatable success? I would argue that, that within the hospitality industry as a whole, whether we're talking about restaurants, bars, nightclubs, short-term rentals, hotels, uh, they're really only three drivers. There, there are three levers that guarantee the success uh, of your business, and, and it's revenue, it, it's your ability to generate awareness, and customer frequency. And, and I think that that, in and of itself, is is the perfect model for a perfect business. If you if you want, I, I can unpack each one of those. Please let's jump in right away with revenue. I want to I want to talk about this because this was something a lot of thing like I'll I'll be completely honest and vulnerable here on this one, but there's been a lot of I call them like they're not covidpreneurs but like the covid influencers that kind of popped out of the woodwork that during this time of, you know, stillness or un- uncertainty whether whatever industry they're in, there's been a lot of these people that popped up and like, I can show you how to make a million dollars on blank, whether it's Airbnb or Grubhub or blah, 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 like all these platforms that are allowing the share economy to, to go into a, a huge boom right now. Um, but they're not impl- implementing anything else that you kind of brought up, which is awareness, uh, customer frequency, but also like professional streamlined operations, um, guest experience to the, to the most like forefront potential that could be. Um, and so in that, in that way, they're, they're talking about making millions and millions and millions selling courses, doing this, doing that. And not that courses are bad. I'm saying that the right type of course won't be a person that's going to say a blank statement, such as I can make you a million dollars on X platform in a year. Um, so anyways, with revenue, the one thing I've been talking about is that the revenue will come. You just need to build a real sustainable and a real business around it that, like you're so focused on these goal purposes or as you just mentioned the, you know, the other key f- factors, uh, the revenue will come as long as you're actually intentional with your business operations and mission. So I'm kind of curious to hear your perspective when it comes to this segment. 
So I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that almost all of the conversations that, that people have kind of around this revolve around how, how do I bring in more revenue? And, and the first question I would ask is, are you profiting off the revenue that you currently have? And most people are trying to fill a funnel with a bad revenue model. So if you have a business that, that breaks even once you hit a quarter million, half a million, a million dollars a year, I, I would beg you to reevaluate that and, and say, can you be profitable today? Can you be extremely profitable today? I, I think one of the best exercises that there is is really working to master your margins and, and to, to take a hard look at your business and say, how can I make this more profitable? Where is there opportunity to increase price or to increase capacity? I also think that, you know, in using the restaurant industry is a great example, that most people aren't focused on maximizing the income around their current demand model. So I, I would say, if you have a short-term rental, how can you get an extra 25, 50, 100 bucks out of the people that are currently renting from you? If you own and operate a restaurant, I would argue, is there a way for you to capture 100% of the demand? Are you answering the phone? Every time it ranks, are, are you work? You, are you leveraging tech to cut your turn times on your tables so that you can seat more people? Uh, are you able to fit one table or one more chair in your restaurant anywhere? Have you really worked to maximize that capacity? I think one of the big fallacies, well, uh, is, is that we're in the, the hospitality industry and that and they we're in this hospitality business. When I would argue that we're in the inventory management business. Look at the big airlines. You know, they don't sell travel. Travel is a function of what they do. What they sell is they sell seats on a plane. And what they've become best in the world at is selling seats on a plane. So I, I would say we need to do the same thing with, with our inventory models and figure out how to get the most out of every seat in a restaurant or, or every bed in a rental. I couldn't agree more like the, I love, I I wrote that down, master your margins because that's super key. And a lot of us like in the hotel lodging space, vacation rental space, there's a term called rev par and there's one uh, for the restaurant world as well. I just forget what the term was, but revenue per available room or rev P a U, which would be revenue per available unit. Um, This is a big indicator on profitability. And I think a lot of people underestimate that whole, like, I guess, method of why, like, yes, you're offering a great nightly rate or, you know, price per plate um, service, but there's a lot of in-betweens such as in-stay experiences or in-restaurant experiences or upsells, other things that generate revenue outside of the ordinary base model of revenue. And I'm curious to know from you on the food and beverage side everything you've learned from interviewing the people that you have, what unique ways are changing the revenue model for the restaurant industry that should and need to stay post COVID? That's a great question. And I would argue that the biggest is the diversification of revenue. Being, being a restaurateur, especially a restaurant seated in Southern California, but anywhere it's true. A lot of your revenue is determined by the weather, which is tragic when it when it storms outside, when it when it's dumping, when it's snowing. 
Um, it, it's, you know, your, your business dwindles and, and how could you possibly have a successful business model that's so dependent on the weather? And, and I think the way you insulate yourself from that is you redefine what it means to be a hotel or a short-term rental or a restaurant. And you say that it's not about my dining room. It's about the guest dining room at home. And what can we do? You know, can we create virtual cookbooks? Can we host cooking classes? Uh, can we sell merchandise? You know, what, what are the things that we can sell people? Can we do farmer's market boxes and, and pre, you know, reuse our prep as meal prep for them to take home and prepare on their own? There are, there are countless ways that you can diversify revenue within a hospitality location. They weren't utilized pre-COVID. We all made money one way. People would come into the restaurant, they would spend money, they would leave, and hopefully they would tell their friends. And what we've seen is on a foundational level, that, that, that's not the way to make money. The way to make money is mastering your margins, maximizing your opportunity to create income, and three, diversifying revenue. Man, this is so good because you just, what you just said there really takes me to like a flashback with a conversation of a entrepreneur founder that I interviewed, uh, founder of Muse, which is a property management software that's changing the game. I don't know if you heard of Oracle or Opera on the hotel world, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so they're pretty much going against Opera. Um, but the way he said it, and it's very similar to you, is you know, for so long in the hotel world specifically, we were so focused on the nightly rate when the three basics in a room were bed, bathroom, aka shower, and usually a workspace, a, a desk, uh, somewhere to maybe pull out your laptop, have a meeting, do some work, whatever. Those three functions. But how can we capture the guest outside of that 48, 24, whatever hourly window they're in that unit? Because that's the only time hotels are really capturing that revenue stream from a, a guest. How can we capture the 168 hours in their month from pre-arrival to post-departure uh, throughout time and continuously? Um, which I'm pretty sure goes into the next two points that you um, have brought up with revenue, awareness, and f- customer frequency. So uh, I'm curious to know for the awareness part, does that play into that revenue capture that you are talking about now? Hey, I hope you guys are enjoying this episode, and I wanted to drop in quickly to let you know that our partners at Jetstream have some of the best-in-class technology that sits at the heart of the guest experience with a focus on generating revenue for your property assets. With their platform, your property gets the best-in-class tech and integrations to remote access, guest screening, booking protection, and payment processing. Better yet, their team does all of the hard work of 24-7 guest communication and content creation. So go ahead, click the link in the show notes so you can jump on board today and take advantage of their professional hospitality team. Now, we're back to the episode. Absolutely. It's, you know, I guess to start with my thesis when it comes to awareness, it's that you're doing it wrong. Most of us have been doing it wrong for far too long. Uh, You know, social media has a very specific purpose, and it's to attract it's to bring attention. You know, the, the, the big joke that, that I, I tell my buddies is, you know, no one's ever seen like a piece of pie on social media, turned to their wife and said, Becky, grab your shit. We're going to this restaurant right now to get this pie. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> like the, the purpose of that social media post should be to attract. 
to inform, to let people know you exist and what you're best in the world at. There's no real opportunity to sell on social. And so when we talk about diversifying that revenue and creating a more profitable model, the opportunity to share that and the value props for what you've built is social media. And I think that it informs that conversation. I think that when you understand that social media isn't a sales tool, that it's an attention-getting tool, and it's a tool to attract people that believe what you believe, that value the same things you value, it transforms the way you use that tool. Because then it becomes less about the customer and more about you and your values. That way you're attracting people that care about the same things that you care about. Does that make sense? A hundred percent, hundred percent. And it kind of leads to another question I have for you, but I don't know as much on the restaurant side, but with us in the vacation rental world or even just hotels, I was seeing a lot of focus on partnerships. Like um, earlier today, we you know we had a nice little case study go out and it was all focused on our partnership with a specific company. Um, and the reason why I think, you know, a lot, I don't know how you feel about this, but on social media, we advertise partnerships so much uh, through our media channels and whatnot, but it's because we realize that partnerships are real, like real life value, not just for our customers, but for us and showcasing that partnership is key. Do you think restaurants show enough partnership or I don't know, social media around partnerships when it comes to whether it's certain vendors or other local restaurants or businesses in the, in the, in the destination outside of that building? That's a great question, Will. And to answer that question, I'm going to not answer that question. I'm going to answer a question (laughs) that you didn't ask, which is, how are you able to do that? How are you able to establish those partnerships? And it's through authority and credibility. For the listeners of the show, most of you are like me. You've been listening for a really long time. You know that Will knows his shit. You know that that he's credible and and that what he says is, is... at the very least, his truth, but I would argue almost universally true. And, and he's been a resource to inform, educate, and entertain. And by creating that credibility, he's then able to turn around and partner with brands. And you have an affinity for those brands because Will likes those brands. And those brands are supporting Will. And you understand that relationship. So you're willing to support those brands to support Will. That is the ecosystem that has been created. And so for the folks listening, before we even get into brand partnerships, I would ask the question, do you have that credibility? Have you you put enough value out there free of charge to create that affinity and that credibility and the authority with your audience? I would argue that that for restaurants, it's all about, you know, hey, here's the most popular thing on the menu. Here's how we make it. Hey, here is my grandmother's recipe for X. Here's a cocktail demo on the most popular drink at the restaurant. Here's a behind the scenes of the team that serves you every day Mm -hmm. so that you can see what we do to make this effortless experience possible. I I think that in, in providing that value like you did for the record without sponsorship for years, um, that that's how we put ourselves in the position to be an authority, to be credible, to, to create those strategic partnerships, to add more value. And so if you've got a short-term rental or a hotel or a restaurant, I would attract people through social media 
through the use of offering value at, at no cost. And, and you hope that your people are like you. So whatever you think would be valuable is what you should put out there. I love that. I love that. Cause it's, it's a really about, uh, I think the, the alignment, I love that you're talking about putting out the values because that's a big takeaway for me this year. That was like realizing I was maybe not fully partnered with the right people. I was aligning with people that I thought had the right values, but didn't. But then when I found those that did, it was a complete game changer in the business. Um, and, and just in my personal life as well. And I'm, and I would just, genuinely put that out there that like a partnership aka friendship with you was one of those that realizing like okay this is a real genuine um value point for my life getting to talk to you getting to to talk about the stuff behind the scenes and one of those conversations that we've had would be engagement you know a lot of us um in media in business whether it's a vacation rental or restaurant struggled i would say pre-covid i'm I, I'm not speaking for everybody else, but for myself, pre-COVID really struggled with engagement uh, when it came to the awareness side. Um, what's your opinion or takeaway on engagement when it comes to awareness, values, all the other stuff that we just talked about? I, I think that, that it has to be a conversation. It's And you do a really good job with that in the way that even even when you're waxing philosophical, you'll be like, this is what I think about this. And at the end of it, you'll say, you know, when I, when I do statements like that, I always say, prove me wrong, you know, or if you agree, say heard. And, and in that way, it becomes more of a conversation and you do the same where you're constantly asking people to engage with the content that you're producing, uh, you know, positively, negatively, whatever. I think that it's, it's all about triggering that conversation you know, when was the last time you came into the restaurant? What events would you like to see us host? What holidays should we be separating? What was on the menu that's no longer on the menu that you'd love to see us bring back as a special? I, I think that that it that that's a that's a core point. And then to to, to expand outward, because I'm sure everybody's asking, cool man, so now I'm social media famous. You know, when do I get to fucking sell? Let, let's talk about <laughs> sales. So, I, I mean, to take a marketing term, it, it's all about converting, right? It, it, it's about converting people from eyeballs to butts in seats or, or you know, from eyeballs to, to, uh, to, to hotel guests, short-term rental guests. And, and how do we get there? I think you sell through the platforms. I think everybody is so focused on, on social media and, and trying to sell through social media that they don't try and sell through you know, Yelp and Airbnb and uh, their own websites and their, their Google My Business listing. I, I think that rather than setting those up for awareness, which is what most of us have done, I, I, I think you can set those up to convert. And you do that through strong imagery, strong copywriting and strong calls to action. That's so key. And you hit those three points right there because we always talk about the... I don't know, because you, you got my head spinning so many directions right now, Josh, and I love it. Um, but the number one thing I've kind of been mentioning is a, there's a big, and I think we, I've even heard you talk about it on Full Comp, you know, with like places like Grubhub, or not places, but companies like Grubhub, Uber Eats, all these other delivery platforms that not only are charging a premium on the guest for a simple $10 burger, but they're also charging a premium on the restaurant side um, as well, making a $10 burger almost $35, $40. Um, yeah, but there's a demand there. They are a 
demand channel that gets revenue um, in some way or form. But there's an operational or a customer acquisition cost um, through for, you know through Airbnb. For us, there is a, a commission that we have to pay in order to acquire that guest to stay at our property. Um, Uber Eats, same thing. You acquire a customer through that platform, but there's a cost associated with it. What and you have the same thing associated within the restaurant. If you were to do you know normal direct marketing through email, let's say flyers, banners. Um, what do you call those things on the side of the road? Uh, you know what I'm talking about, Josh? Bus uh, stops, bus, uh, bus benches. Yeah, those billboards. are whatever the, yeah, billboards. There you go. Um, so there's all, like those all are a customer acquisition cost. We just don't see it as much as we do via the platform, Uber Eats, Airbnb, et cetera. So with that, how do you think, like, how do we minimize that customer acquisition cost or is that customer acquisition cost totally worth it at the end of the day? Um, because I'm, I'm struggling with the, the, th- the thing that we always talk about in the vacation rental world is, you know, it's okay to, to be on those platforms. You know, it's okay to pay 5% to VRBO or, you know, whatever percentage to Airbnb. Um, but if that guest books again via that platform and not with you via email, phone number, or even just on your website directly, you failed in some way or form because they didn't recognize that the experience was worth enough to remember you by name. Um, for, so for the restaurant side or food and beverage, whatever uh, we keep mentioning restaurants, hotels, vacation, I just want to talk about maybe hospitality as a general whole uh, for you, Josh, what, what do you think? Like, what are your thoughts on just this overall customer acquisition? Is it something that you guys see on the restaurant side as well, that if they keep ordering on Uber Eats, uh, is that a failure on the restaurant side because they didn't deliver the experience or quality that the customer can remember them and want to go in in person? Kind of just want to pick your thoughts there. So they, they, when it comes to all of the third-party marketplaces, pick one, there are dozens. Uh, I don't see them as evil. I think that the way we engage with them is, is not advantageous for us. And it's because generally we've been busy. Not that we've been lazy, but we've certainly been distracted. And when the pandemic hit, I I think all of us in hospitality came to the stark realization that we didn't own our customer. Like even that guy that had been coming to your restaurant every day for a month, you didn't know his last name. You don't have his phone number. You don't have his email address. You don't know where he works. Like that's not your customer. Like if it is your customer, you own their data. And so I think that data capture is is an essential element of establishing customer frequency. I would also say that I would pay 30%, 50%. I would pay a 100% commission to get a new customer, as long as I could own that customer after the fact. Um, and, and I think that it's really easy to capture that customer data. I just think you need a big enough carrot. I would argue that that so many of us across the industry mm-hmm. have tried to get something of value, which is somebody's personal information, by providing something of very little value. Hey, I'll give you a free piece of cake. I will give you ten percent off your meal. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want, I don't just want your email address, Will. I want permission to contact you. Mm-hmm. And so, in order to get the second part of that, because for ten percent off, you'll probably give me your email address, but you won't read what I email you no. because there needs to be more to that transaction. So if I comp a whole meal for you, if I throw a whole 
birthday party for you. If I, if I give you something of extreme value, you will respect the relationship that, that, that I'm trying to establish here. And so when we get into customer frequency, I would say, don't make it about the marketplaces, make it about you. And if you choose to use marketplaces as your primary marketing arm, prepare to eat that cost, but also be prepared to take that recurring revenue, that repeat business off marketplace and own it and own it entirely. Mm. Um, and, and once you have that data, I think then it's about automating that communication in a way that you are consistently providing value. When we look at uh, a company that, that services the hospitality industry, I think few have done it better than Toast. And the way that whenever you Google any questions related to restaurant operations, there's always a blog article on Toast. They've been writing blog articles to help the industry for years. And you think about that ROI and you say, how often do people change out their point of sale? Fucking never, ever, ever. They spent $30,000 on this POS system. They're not, they're not going to change it out. But Toast made a decision early on to, to become a facilitator of valued information. And in doing so, when people do move to a new restaurant, when they do open a new restaurant, whenever there is that opportunity to choose a POS provider, they win. They play the long game. And I think we can do the same thing with our customers. I think there's nothing wrong with shooting a customer a text and saying, hey, hope you're having a great day. I saw this article on this place that, you know, if especially if you're looking at short-term rentals, on like the 10 best things to do in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I thought you would think it, it was valuable considering the fact that you're going to New Orleans in the next week. And then continuing that conversation after the fact and saying, hey, here's a newsletter of the five most popular places to vacation. Here are the three best restaurants in the next city you're, you're going to book for. I think that there are countless opportunities to speak to what people are into in a way that, again, to go back to the last conversation we had, builds that authority, builds that credibility, takes you from being a vendor in their eyes to being a, a strategic partner, a friend, a trusted, reliable resource. Um, and, and that's how you'll achieve that business. Yeah, no, and it, and it goes into the just. I just think of relationships. It look, it starts out as something very like very transactional in the beginning. I would say, you know, the first experience is very here's money, here's service. Thank you so much. Please don't let me down. Um, and same thing on the operator side. We say here's an accommodation, here's an experience, here's whatever. Give me money. I won't let you down. Hopefully, um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> But now you're carrying it through into an extensive long-term relationship. I think, who was it? That, I think you, you actually said this. It's like, I'm, we are dating. We are pretty much dating this customer. Now I want to take it to the full next level. And I want to get in bed with you, a.k.a. let's get married. Let's bond this relationship to the fullest and, and let's tie the knot. Um, so I think you know we got to look at it in a longer form of not just heads and beds or not just butts and seats, but how many times can I keep that butt or that head in that seat or in that bed uh, as many times as possible with the very littlest gap in between sessions? Um, you know, capturing that. Well, and can I control your behavior? Yeah. 
that's really the question here. So again, for the people listening, if you're asking yourself, what's in it for me, it's the ability to control their behavior. If, if I am a restaurant, I want to be able to send out one text message and get busy tonight. That's what I want. I want that power. I want that level of credibility and that level of trust. Hey guys, uh, I, I corralled this wine company into doing a tasting tonight at 5 p.m. It, it's free to all. Uh, the first 20 people to text me back um, can, can come to the event for free, right? It, it's, about, it's about getting getting people through the door. They, they, if you have a short-term rental, they, they, you're able to reach out to the people that live locally in your area and say, hey, guys, we're doing a staycation special. If you book it out this weekend, you'll get this rate in this perk. Right. And, and you're able to turn what was it an empty weekend and into profitability. Yeah. It, it's building that relationship so that you can adjust their behavior. I love that. I love that. That's so good. Mastering your margins and how that implements revenue awareness and customer frequency. Josh, you've cracked the code. It sounds like it really does. That's it, man. But listen, I, I think that it's it's very very simple and that's not to say that it's easy mm-hmm. but it but it is very simple and very clean um what i did was was i, I put together this mental map which I, I hope you'll share in the show notes of course that kind of lays out everything that we've talked about today plus a whole lot more um and and you know like like i told you in in the last conversation we had um, I can fucking prove it. I can prove that this works. Yeah. Uh, and, and to prove it, um, I'm launching a, a huge case study program where I, I'm taking 10 hospitality professionals. We're going to load their business into this three keys module. And then we're, we're going to track the results. If any anyone out there is interested in taking part in the case study, they can go to restaurantcasestudy.com and, and sign up. I love that. I love that you gave the link too. So that's good. Um, yeah. Cause like, Oh man, there's so many good things in this conversation. I just love it. Um, man, I love our conversations, Josh. So good. Um, but no, this is, this is really awesome. So the case study, how long is this going for? Kind of give me a little bit more details. Cause I'm, I'm genuinely curious for a lot of my uh, vacation rental folks, my, my other operators in the space. This is something that, um, I think we're always looking to, tweak. And the biggest thing I've been learning from my other guests on the show, whether they're a tech or service provider or they're an operator themselves, you and I both know that these three key takeaways from this episode, you know, revenue, awareness, customer frequency, there are steps and execution to get those to actually work and become words on paper to actually actionable items that make profitability. But those, the biggest thing as an operator is that we struggle to actually implement them into our workflow. So I'm curious to know with this case study, kind of walk us through what's, give me time frame, give me some, a little bit of a, a little bit of background information, just, just because I'm really hungry to know. You got it. So it, they, it's a nine week course. Week one, we master margins. Step two, we focus on, on maximizing the, the revenue of your current operations. Week three, we diversify revenue. Week four, we, we focus on attracting via social media. Week six, we convert through the web. Um, week seven, we, uh, or week six, we amplify through press. Um, and then the last three weeks, we're capturing data, automating communication, 
and, and the the last week we're, we're uh, amplifying that network effect, really leveraging our communities to create broad scale awareness for what we do. I love it. I love it. It's a beautiful step, step by step action. Um, Josh, as you know, as a longtime listener and a longtime friend, we give everybody the opportunity for a shameless shout out at the end, other than your case study, where are some plugs that you want to plug in and where can people find out more about you getting in contact with you, anything else that you're producing, whether it's restaurant marketing school, full comp, you name it, where can they go? Joshcopel.com, J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com for all things me related. I love it. I visit that website often just because you're a devilishly <laughs> handsome man. So just kidding. Um, <laughs> your wife would kill me. Uh, <laughs> but would. that's so funny. Okay, so Josh, thank you so much again for being on the show. Um, as a platinum guest, I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You bring a lot of value to your audience, to my audience, to me. Um, so I just want to say thank you and just really just say, I, I, I really enjoyed this, this episode, so I can't wait for it to go out and, uh, yeah, we'll hopefully do it again around four. Sound good. Sounds good, brother. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. In hotels and vacation rentals, the top complaints or issues are noise, garbage, and parking. I may not be able to solve all of your parking and garbage problems, but I could definitely help with your noise problems. And that actually might just help your garbage and parking problems too. So NoiseAware is the only 100% privacy-safe noise monitoring solution that property managers and owners can use in order to ensure they avoid parties and other issues happening at their property. You won't get notified when a plate breaks, but if you have a little quiet get-together that kind of gets out of hand like this, then NoiseAware will give you the peace of mind to ensure that you and your property and of course, your profits are protected. So use my code SLICKTALK20 to get 20% off of all noise monitoring devices and focus on the other important things that help you run your business. Now, thank you for checking out Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Get back to the episode. and Don't forget to check out NoiseAware while you're listening. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast.